Listener Production. Hi, I'm Jo Stanley, TV and radio presenter and passionate mindfulness advocate. And this is Best of You in the House of Wellness. I remember the moment I first understood that I could be free of fear. I was seeing a therapist because I was scared all the time. Scared of losing my job, scared of what people thought of me, of losing my loved ones, of riding my bike in traffic. I mean, you name it. I just churned constantly in fear. And then my therapist taught me that I don't have to be that way. I don't have to attach myself to the stories my mind makes up. I can choose what I think and feel in this moment. I can feel my feet in my shoes. I can hear the birds in the trees. I can really focus on gratitude and my breath and let all those thoughts pass. She was teaching me mindfulness and it changed my life forever. Which is why I was so excited to team up with Emma Murray, a mindfulness and peak performance coach to elite athletes for this series. Together we speak with some of our best sports stars to discover how they've used mindfulness to help them move past sadness, self-doubt, failure, pain. I mean, basically all the things everyone feels, whether you're an Olympic athlete or you can't even catch a ball or ride through traffic. Plus, at the end of each episode, we'll put into practice what we've learned with a mindfulness exercise using simple strategies to reframe your thoughts and shift your emotions. Even though I've practiced mindfulness every day for the last 15 years, I have learned so much in these conversations. We hope you do too. I'm always being told I'm my own worst enemy. Sure, I have a habit of fixating on all the possible things that could go wrong, all the things I've failed at, but I know everyone is like that. So in episode one, my co-host Emma Murray explains the science behind why our minds want to self-criticise. Em also tells us about her work with the Richmond Footy Club and how their culture changed from fear of failure to one of acceptance and helped them break a 37-year premiership drought. And we'll hear about the event that shattered Em's world and how through mindfulness, she can still be the best version of her, even in the deepest grief and trauma. At the end of the episode, Em's going to give us an exercise that will help us shift that negativity we habitually hold on to. Hi, Emma. Hi, Jo. It's so lovely to be doing this with you. I'm excited. As a psychotherapist and a qualified mindfulness teacher, you mainly work with people in high-stressed environments. Yeah, I call them high-pressure, high-expectation environments, so environments where there's a lot of pressure to perform and that the performance is there's either a win or a loss or in a corporate sense, you know, there's a lot of money on the line. So, yeah, lots of pressure. And so when we say that our podcast is called Best of You, what does Best of You mean to you? I speak to my clients a lot around turning up in the moment with their strengths and their attributes and the best of those strengths and attributes. I guess a a good way to explain it is for, let's say, a football player, because I work with a lot of footballers, if their strengths like this particular player's strength is his footwork and his creative running patterns and his speed, it's him turning up in that moment with actually attention and focus on his feet on, 
on where the ball is, where the opposition is, where the opportunity is to run fast and, and be intuitive. Unfortunately, when pressure comes on and expectation comes on, that's not what we focus on. We start focusing on what if I win, what if I lose, what if I fail, um, what if I'm not good enough. And so those strengths and those attributes go missing. For someone, you know, in the corporate world, if their strengths and their attributes are rapport building and relationship building and attention to detail and really working out what their client needs, it's them turning up in that moment fully focused on, well, how do I listen to this client? How do I build that rapport? What can I be doing right now to bring those strengths to the table? But again, we don't. We go into that meeting or interaction focused on what if I don't get the sale? What if this client doesn't give me what I want? I think the best way to describe what the best of you means is in what it doesn't mean. And what it doesn't mean is winning or getting the promotion or people liking me or getting the award. That's not what we talk about in terms of being the best of you. We talk about bringing your best strengths to that moment. And if you happen to win, you win. If you don't, you couldn't do anything more than that. So it's a different way of looking at it for people. But when you really understand that the best of you is available to you in every moment, what I want this podcast to really do is to educate people on why the best of you goes missing. Right. And how I can actually bring it to the moment. Mm -hmm. And I, I really want to grab mindfulness and pull it out of this relaxation space that it has been dragged into yes. and go, it's a phenomenal tool to help you bring the best of you to the moment. And tapping back into the best of you is really energising and it makes you feel really good and it makes you perform really well, whether that's at home as a parent or at work or on a sporting field. It's definitely relatable for everybody. Everyone. I constantly say to everyone, you do not need to be an elite athlete to be in a high-pressure, high-expectation environment. Life is rugged. Mm. It is really hard going, no matter what we are doing. And we need to start understanding why the best of us goes missing and, you know, why we're showing up not with all of this great stuff that is uniquely ours. Mm. Because when we are able to do that, gosh, life feels a lot better. So if someone was to ask, what is mindfulness? Yeah. I'm going to give you what I would say to an athlete mm-hmm. um, because I think it works quite well to everyone else. So I would say it's having awareness um, of what's going on inside of you internally. So that means I'm having awareness of I'm breathing very shallow. My shoulders are very tight. My posture is very slumped. I feel like I want to cry. So I'm, I've got internal awareness of what is going on. And then I have external assessment. So I'm assessing externally what is going on. So, uh, okay, uh, the score is this, the weather is that, the ball is over here. And then I course correct. So, all right, I need to take a deeper breath. I need to turn my, I need to get back up on my toes. I need to do this. So, It's this constant awareness of where I am, where my thoughts are, where my attention is, what's my body doing. And then it's an assessment of what's going on around you non-judgmentally. And I hate that when people go non-judgmentally. That means if I'm a cricketer and 
I'm assessing the external environment, another bowler is coming and he's now a fast bowler. That's what it looks like to assess the external environment. Okay, that's going on. They've changed bowlers. What we do is we attach to that. Oh, my God, I'm terrible at a fastball. Mm. I hate a fastball. Remember that last time when a fastball hit me in my head? Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is going to be terrible. This is going to be bad. This is going to be terrible. Mm. So it's, it's, it's going, I can see a fastball has come. I can feel myself getting anxious. Okay, I need to soften my hands. I need to breathe deeper. I need to, and now I'm switching back into the stuff that is the best of me. So the best of this cricketer is when he is soft hands, soft shoulders, relaxed in his stance. So it's like constantly having this awareness of what's going on internally, externally what's going on without attaching to it. I don't like this. I don't like them. They're bad. This meeting's going to go terrible because mm. this is happening. Mm. Or to use a, perhaps a, an example in, in another person's life, I'm in a meeting. I know I have to present. I'm feeling fairly well prepared, but then someone walks in who I feel like they don't like me. Yes. Now, all of a sudden in my head, I'm going to be hopeless. This person already has decided I'm no yep. good. I start to panic. I start to, you know, yep. my thoughts are suddenly not clear. So the first thing is just to stop and have awareness of what's going on. Not judgmentally. Oh, my God, I'm panicking. I always panic. I'm, I'm so bad at panicking. Right. I, I'm, I knew I was going to be terrible today. I always panic. It's like, just, okay, I notice I'm not breathing. I notice I'm worried that, um, you know, this is happening. And then course correct. Okay, I just, I know that when I present at my best, it's when I am relaxed, when I'm projecting my voice, when I'm using my gestures and facial expressions. So it's like I start coursing correcting. I start changing my posture. I start breathing differently. I start, um, you know, standing up. I deliberately smile to change my facial expression. So I'm starting to go, I see what's going on. Mm -hmm. I don't need to judge myself for it. I don't need to know why. I don't need to make any thought or assessment about it, but I course correct. I change my posture. I change my breath. I change what's going mm. what's going on. It's so great when you actually find your practice, and it is a practice because you have to practice it every day, but it's a practice as far as it's a skill too that you can develop. You know, to be able to have that moment where you go, oh, look what's happening there. Like you can actually remove yourself to the point where it's interesting. I find it interesting sometimes when I'm like, oh, look, you've, your voice yeah. has now gone a bit weird. <laughs> oh, you're yeah. doing that funny thing in yeah. your voice that you do. Yeah, yeah. And you, and you can kind of, I almost am quite amused by it at times. I'm not always able to be that removed from it and that, and that non-judgmental, but, you know, it can be very empowering. Oh, 100%, absolutely empowering. What is so important for people to know is that we all do this. This yes. is how our mind is wired. I've been doing this for however many years. Every single day I go to a place that I shouldn't go to. Um, can we all just ban that I'm no good at this? Yes. Oh, I'm no good at meditation. I'm no good at mindfulness. Can we park meditation? Because we'll discuss at some point sure. how that fits into yes, everything. Yes. So don't, now no one freak out that, oh my no. God, meditation. <laughs> <laughs> um, just the act of being mindful, being present, we cannot say we're not, I can't do that. I'm mm. not very good at mm. that. That's like saying, I just can't do sit-ups. Now, if you can't do sit-ups, it's because you've never done them before. Mm. And if you practice them every day, mm. you would get stronger at them. If you've never done sit-ups before, the first time you do sit-ups, you're not going to be very good at them and they're going to hurt and everything else. So let's just go, this is a skill, this is a muscle we're training mm. and it takes work and it takes patience and 
some days my attention goes wandering off to I'm not good enough and I'm going to get this wrong and why did I say that? I can't believe and replaying what I said over and over. And it goes there and I have to bring it back and it will go there 10 seconds later and I have to keep pulling it back. Another day I'm really good at it. So we all get it wrong mm. and we're all, we're not good or bad at it. We're just all practising it. Yes. And, you know, I've been, I've been a mum. I am a mum. <laughs> <laughs> you have four children. I have four children. But I have been a stay-at-home mum and, you know, that turning up to school drop-off with you focus on, oh, you know, will they talk to me? Do I fit in? Mm. Do I belong? Mm. Is, you know, rather than me turning up just with my unique ability to laugh and connect with people and ask people how they are, it's no different. And we're all humans. And what being an athlete does is it just magnifies it. And I love working with athletes and seeing what happens when you're driving a car at 300 kilometres an hour, you put your car into the wall when you do not show up with those strengths and attributes and you've got your focus on what if I lose and I need to make up ground and how did I, why did I make that mistake on that last corner? And then you put your car into the mm. wall because your focus is in the right place. As a parent or in the corporate world, it's not as obvious. But it's the same. But yeah. it's the same. Oh, I've put my car into the wall countless <laughs> yeah. times. I mean, yeah. at home with your partner, with your kids, when you're yelling at them, getting ready for school or, you know, at work when you find yourself snapping at someone or even, you know, that dreaded crying in the toilet because you're just totally oh, yeah. overwhelmed yeah, by yeah. what's going on Absolutely. at work. Absolutely. That's putting your car in the wall, right? Yeah, Basically. the presentation where you forget your words or, you know, the meeting where you knew you should have asked that question but you didn't ask that question or speak up and yeah. say that you know this. We are putting cars in through the wall <laughs> all the time um, and we don't have to but we need to understand the mechanism behind that and that's why I get really, um, I get fearful about mindfulness that, we are dragging into a place where it doesn't belong in in the space of just time out and relaxation. And we're losing potentially this tool that is so valuable to have us show up with the best of us and our attention and focus on what I can bring to this moment to make it great. Mm. Regardless of whether that gets me the promotion, you know, gets me the 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 deal or wins the race. It's just the best that I can do. And I can go home and go, yeah, I did I did all I could do in that moment. So what's fantastic about this podcast is that we are bringing some practical exercises that you can learn. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast. You will get the first of a little exercise that Emma will share with you. And you can take that with you and practice it. And each episode, you'll get an, a little extra element to that. And gradually, bit by the bit, you'll be taking mindfulness into your day in a very meaningful way. You know, I'm really excited about this uh, exercise or the building of this exercise because um, what I love is that I get to work with all these athletes and test these exercises. So I start to see patterns between footballers and cricketers and motorsport drivers of, hang on, they all resonate with this and that one, no, but this one, yes. And the exercise that we're going to build across this podcast was the very exercise that the Richmond boys um, did in the week of the the week leading up to the grand final, but the multiple weeks of the finals. It's a very same exercise that 
Scott McLaughlin did leading into Bathurst, the same exercise that, you know, Morgan Mitchell did leading into the World Track and Field um, Championship. So you'll get their insight into the exercise and I know that every single one of them went, yeah, that exercise really worked for me. So we're going to build it and... and uh, so no one can say it doesn't work. I'm so <laughs> excited. I know about it works. That. Yeah, yeah, I'm so excited <laughs> about that. I can't wait to learn that mm. as well from you, Emma. Because for me, I find showing up is about you know choosing gratitude or over sadness. It's about seeing abundance rather than scarcity, and it's about believing that there's always hope. But you can intellectually want to do that, but you need help to do that. Sometimes you need help to just slow things down and make this moment be the only moment you're aware of. Yes. Yes, we absolutely need help for that. We need to understand the science of why our our mind makes it so difficult to do that mm. because all of us find it difficult and we think there's just something wrong with us. Like, yes, we gosh, do. You know, it's oh like, my gosh, I do. It's like all these people write gratitude journals. Why don't I keep it? Why I've got yeah. the, the book next to my bed oh, and I, I don't do keep write it, in but it. Sometimes it doesn't help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so it's understanding the science of your mind why it's difficult, but it's also understanding why I'm doing it in a way that's going to help me show up with those strengths and attributes. What's the connection between in the morning saying, I'm really grateful for the food I have on this table and actually getting up and presenting well in that meeting? Yes. What's the connection between that? You know, oh, so that's really important. Too. Amazing. You do mention the Richmond Football Club. You work very closely with mm-hmm. them and you have been thanked in Brownlow Medal speeches. <laughs> you've been named in books about the Richmond Footy Club. Tell us a little bit about the work you've done with them. So at Richmond, I'm called their peak performance coach, um, or a lot of the boys call me their mindfulness coach. I started work with the full group in Richmond uh, in 2017, so their premiership year. Um, 2016, I worked with a few players. You know, a lot has been documented around the change between 2016 when they were 13th on the ladder and then 2017 when they broke a 37-year premiership drought to win the to win the grand final. And a lot of that change started with Damien Hardwick and Trent Koch and really going, you know what, we can do this a different way. And this is not about getting it right. This is about creating a journey and an experience that is, you know, amazing and we grow all together. And where that takes us, who knows, but we're going to do it a different way. And part of that different way was bringing in this concept of mindset and making it something that we deliberately put into the schedule. People do not understand the craziness of an AFL schedule. To mm. fit anything is in is insane. And so it took a lot of courage for a club who were not doing very well to go, we're actually going to take less time on the physical and mm. put some time into the, the mental space. So for me, I work with the group twice a week and we work on looking back at the game that we've just had and and what happened mentally and when our attention and focus left, really what we're saying, hey, when were you the best of you? In what moments were you the best of you? And what took you out of that right. and why? And how can we get you back into that? And then we also spend time looking at the upcoming game. And so our second session a week's looking at that upcoming game. It was the most incredible thing to watch these boys and and this is why I'm excited about this podcast. When you actually take it out of the darkness and say, hey, everyone, this is what I'm thinking. Mm. This is what I, in that moment when I kicked it out on the full, this is what I, I felt. 
and I didn't feel good enough and I was so worried about what my teammates thought and mm. I was worried that I'd let you down. And then to have the captain say, well, this is what I do when that happens to me and a young guy opening up and saying, I felt like this when I made this mistake at training and then senior guys saying, oh, I used to feel like that all the time. It was like we took the covers off and everyone was like, wow, we are all imperfect. We are all human and we're all trying our best and sometimes we get it right and sometimes we don't and that's okay. And it was un- it was just incredible. So the first step in being your best you is, is vulnerability? That is the first thing that Damien and Trent brought to the table was this vulnerability to say, you know what, we have not been doing this the right way and we have not got it right and we don't have all the answers, but together we're going to change this. So that vulnerability was a huge turning point for Richmond. And in all of my clients, once an athlete actually goes, hang on, me saying I don't always manage to turn up in that moment as the best me, you know, when I don't get that right, that's my greatest opportunity for growth. Mm. It's actually not me being not good enough and and failing. When I see all those moments when you're not the best you are the moments where if we have awareness and if we take time to reflect and critique and not self-criticise, they become incredible growth moments. But we don't, we just sit there and say, we're hopeless, we're not good enough. Yeah, so um, (laughs) self-compassion is a pretty hard thing to switch on when you and all of us have that pattern of being so hard on ourselves. Yeah, and again, and and another reason I'm excited about the podcast (laughs) is there's a whole lot of science behind that, why our mind wants to criticise, self-criticise as a way of protecting us. Like if I tell you all the bad things that you are doing or potentially could do in the upcoming moments, I'm protecting you from someone else saying you're terrible or actually protecting you from going out and doing it yourself. Right, so that's like we're putting a shield up from someone else saying it first. Effectively. Right. Effectively, um, you know, you will hear me talk about it over and over again. We are you know, wired the same way as a caveman. We have what's yes. called an ancestor, ancestral mind and it hasn't changed. Our wiring is purely for survival. We are not wired to be good at our jobs. We're not wired to be great friends. We're not wired to be good football players. We are wired just to stay alive. And when anything threatens our survival or potentially threatens our survival, we develop mechanisms to survive. And where cavemen were really, um, their greatest threat was lack of food and and shelter and and predators. We don't have those threats anymore. So we've got this twisted sort of uh, things going on where our greatest threat is, what do people think of us? Um, Fear of failure, getting it wrong, being, you know, judged. The way we have developed a mechanism to cope with that is self-critical mind, where I want to stay one step ahead of these dangers. I'm going to tell you everything that you're going to screw up today. Mm. I'm going to tell you everything that someone could not like about you, everything. I'm going to replay to you all those stupid comments you made during the day. And I'm doing that as a way to protect you from either getting in that situation again or putting yourself in a situation where you're likely to fail. I'm staying one step ahead of that danger. And it's crippling us. Mm. It's absolutely crippling us. 
I came to mindfulness because I was in therapy and my therapist first introduced it to me for insomnia um, and my sleeplessness was because of anxiety and the anxiety was because of the constant churning in my head that was telling me how everybody was thinking of me, which was stories anyway, I made that up. But to be able to, using mindfulness, recognise the thought pattern and know that that's not me, I am not my thoughts, was the most profound thing that mindfulness gave me. When I first learned mindfulness, it was like someone had handed me a gift. It's like, wow, this is incredible that I can actually change these stories and or choose not to go into these stories. And this is what I get really passionate about with mindfulness when people are like, well, my mindfulness is going for a run in the morning or mm-hmm. my mindfulness is taking a bath. It absolutely can be those things, but it's those things are not mindfulness because then what that leads to is the person who's goes for a walk in the morning and and he's coming back has has spent the whole hour in these thoughts running conversations that they're having during the day and things that are going to go wrong and replaying things that they didn't do right yesterday and they're like I'm supposed to feel better I just took a walk that's my mindfulness <laughs> right. for the day yeah. and um, I'm no good at mindfulness it's like it's a it's a process around where we place our focus how we use our awareness yes. how we use our breath and we want to teach that because as you found and I found it's a gift I wanted to put you and the story that you bring more into context, Em, if that's okay. Yeah. I wondered if you would share what you and your family, and particularly your son Will, experienced over the last few years. Yeah. I like sharing this story because it plays a, um, a really important role in how my mindfulness journey has changed. My second eldest child, so I'm a mum of four children, um, Will, his name is, he, two weeks shy of his 14th birthday, he went to a local beach with a group of friends um, and, as many teenagers do, jumped off a pier and he broke his C5, C6 vertebrae and sustained a spinal cord injury that left him with no feeling or movement from the chest and shoulders down, um, so left him a quadriplegic. And... Um, <clears throat> You know, I quite often say that if you want to test the validity of a mental practice like mindfulness that is supposed to not um, stop you from worrying about the future or lamenting the past, if you really want to test that, then hold that up against like the shock and the grief and the trauma of spinal cord injury because, you know, that was like being thrown into a hurricane. And I'd already been a mindfulness coach um, for a number of years. I'd studied mindfulness for 20 years before Will's accident. And then all of a sudden I found myself, particularly when Will was in ICU and a coma and those, I'd like to say the first days, but the first years of just trying to get your head around um, seeing your child in struggle and pain, you know, I think as a parent, every parent can connect to that feeling of wanting to quickly take the pain away from your child, but knowing that you could never take this away was absolute hell. And, you know, this story is tragic and we all have a story. I think, you know, every 
listener has had experience with trauma and grief and everything. So people can connect with these emotions. Will was, um, before his accident, he was, you know, vice captain of the state AFL schoolboys team. He'd already represented Australia in a World Cup, uh, World Championships for BMX. Um, he was a rep basketball player, rep soccer player. So Will, Will's whole life was about moving his body and just in one moment, just one moment, you know, mm. that he made a, a decision that any person makes on any given day. His world changed, but our world changed. The world of his siblings, you know, our families, our community changed in an instance. And so for me, Will broke his neck the day before pre-season started at Richmond Football Club. And we decided as a um, family that it was really important that I kept that job because football was such a big part of Will's life. And we didn't want to take away something that he was so excited about. Mm. So I would go from the hospital to the club and back and forth. And when I went back to the club, you know, here are these young guys that... You know, we all have screamed at a television or over a fence that you're hopeless and you're not kicking, we could kick better and blah, blah, blah. But these are young boys and they were trapped in such fear of failure and fear of not being good enough and we haven't won a premiership for 37 years and Richmond are renowned to choke and what if we do it again? And, and I was starting to see mindfulness very differently in that when I was in such grief and trauma, but you have to get so much done with spinal cord injury. You've got to renovate a house. You've got to get carers. You have to get all of this stuff so quickly. And I, I finally went, oh, this is mindfulness. Oh, this is what they're talking about, about truly getting present, mm. truly getting out of that. You can have all of this grief and trauma going on and you can let it be there because you can't, you can't remove that. You can't just, you know, wait for that to pass before you take action. So despite all of this stuff going on, that you can become truly present and still make decisions and still make for, move forward and, and good decisions and you can still be the best you even with all of that grief and trauma going on then I started to really get it. And so then I was able to go back into the the club and share with these boys, you know what, right here, right now, boys, all you have to do is kick a ball. You don't have to win. You don't mm. have to be the best. You don't have to win the Brownlow. You don't have to be selected just right here, right now. And that, those words right here, right now really got me through that first period of will, you know, right here, right now, we haven't gone broke because it's very expensive injury. Right here, right now, Will ha hasn't got depression. Right here, right now, my other kids haven't got gone off the rails. Right here, right now, all I'm doing is I'm having a conversation with my son. That is it. So I remember a time very clearly at the Royal Children's Hospital where I stopped and I went, if I break down every part of my life moment by moment, there is no struggle in that. There is no struggle in the present moment. The struggle comes where what if Will never walks again? What if he never gets married? What if he never has a job? Or why did I let him go to the beach? Why wasn't I down there? You know, that's where the struggle lies. So by coming present, it was like, I can survive this. 
Yeah. It was the second I stepped out of that moment that I couldn't do this. And so to Richmond Football Club, it was like, in this moment, you're good enough. You have everything you need in this moment. It's where we jump out into what if we don't win a premiership? What if we're that team that loses the game? What if we get it wrong? That's where the struggle sits. And so with Richmond, we created this whole new framework around mindset and mindfulness and we did it together and we grew this framework around that took it out of mental well-being and took it out of relaxation and and the offshoot was that we have the boys had better well-being and they had better relationships with their partners but we took it out of that into let's just get us performing it at our, our best let's just get in this moment mm. we bring the best of ourselves that's it and if we can get as many of us in the moment doing that as often as possible we're going to start getting better the way you describe that moment or many moments that you had in hospital or wherever you were with Will, I find really um, relatable. My mm-hmm. daughter was very sick when she was born and she's had many times in hospital, in ICU. And um, even before that, I remember the thing that was making me always really sad was I lost my father when I was four and I had an unfortunate upbringing and that never left me. Mm. And so that was always behind me and then this impending doom in front of me. And then when my daughter was born, just learning that right here, right now, this breath and this moment when I'm holding her is absolutely perfect. Yeah, and There's nothing else to think about here. But I think all of us are haunted by our past and have fear of what the next day or the next year will hold. And it cripples us. So to be able to just be still now, I remember having a, a like a really, really dark day and I couldn't breathe and I couldn't, you know, just I felt like I could barely um, lift my head off the pillow and I went for a run and I ran past one of those street signs where they have the maps of your local area and I saw the big arrow that said, you are here. And that has stayed with me always because yeah, I was right. like, you are here and yeah. that's all that matters in this breath. You are here. Yeah. And the next moment you think you're not going to make, you will because you're here now and then you hear this now and then this now you're here. And sometimes yeah. it's just building on seconds, isn't it? Yeah. And I think people are starting to get that message but they still don't know how to do that. Yes. Um, and that's what I really want to try and help people with because that's not a mechanism of relaxing. That's a mechanism of picking up our awareness, picking up our attention and going, hey, come back here, right here, right now. This is okay. You can do this. Right here, right now, you're just walking into a meeting room. Mm. That's all that's happening. They haven't said you're hopeless. They haven't fired you. They haven't said you don't know your job. Right here, right now, you're just walking into a meeting room. Right here, right now, you're just sitting here listening to other people speak. Right here, right now, you're just asking a question. It's really moment by moment by moment. Mm. So let's get to that. Let's get to how we do that because um, I think, you know, it's really imperative to both of us that people are empowered by this. Yes. So each episode of this podcast, we are bringing, well, you, I should say you, it's not me. (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm not not bringing uh, the knowledge that you have. Um, I'm just a lived experience here. Uh, But we are bringing an exercise for you to try yep. and to practice mm-hmm. until the next time you listen to the next episode and we will build on it. So would you like to share with us the first step in this exercise towards learning mindfulness and taking it into your day? Yeah. Now we call it a first step because it's a first step. So you can't come back and say that didn't 
all of a sudden make me deliver the best me in a meeting or anything no, else. Right. This is this is like first step. Just like if you made a decision to run a marathon, the first step would be I have to be able to run like 1K and build from there. So this is called catch your attention. Uh-huh. And basically if we don't know that our attention has gone, we cannot bring our attention back. So I'd like people to think of mindfulness like a bicep curl. I know that can't see me, but I'm taking my arm, my hand to my shoulder and then back out again. Mindfulness is like my attention goes, so that's my hand coming to my shoulder, and then I bring my attention back again, there's my hand going down. So it goes, it comes back, it goes, it comes back. Every time it goes and I pull it back, I'm building that muscle. Mm -hmm. It's like I've done one bicep curl. Right. Right? And so if I do one bicep curl in a day, it's not going to get very strong. If I do hundreds and hundreds of bicep curls in a day, it's going to get strong. So if I walk around the house and every time I see something heavy, I pick it up and do a bicep curl, I'm building that muscle. Alternatively, I can go to the gym and I can go for one hour, I'm just doing a heap of bicep curls. Think of that as your meditation. So I can sit for 30 minutes in meditation and my attention go and I pull it back and tension goes and pulls it back. I'm building that muscle. We're not going to do it like going to the gym. We're just going to do it every day. Right, just as you're going about your normal life. Just as you're going about your normal life. If I don't know my attention has gone, I cannot bring it back. So this is about the very first step is just catching that my attention has gone because if I don't know it's gone, I can't bring it back. In mindfulness, we call it meta-attention, having attention on your attention. So what I want the listeners to do is to go about their day catching their attention. So if they are going for a walk with their dog, they have to catch, oh, has my attention gone and they will notice that it's gone down a rabbit hole. Oh, my gosh, the fantasy life that just ends up always to doom for Yes, (laughs) for everyone. We are not, our attention is not going off to how amazing we are and (laughs) how incredible we're going to look in our bikini in summer and it is going to horrible places. So we are, you are to just simply catch your attention where you, when you catch it and notice it's gone, you just bring it back to a breath. Just, you don't have to get the breath right. No. You don't have to do anything special. It's just like I pick it up and I actually put that attention on my breath. So feel that breath. Now, maybe it's one breath, maybe it's two, three, four, however many you want to, you know, do. Mm. What you will notice when you first play this game is that you bring it back to your breath and possibly three seconds later it is back somewhere else, right? Sure. When I first started this exercise, I... I would do it walking the dog. And the very first time I would catch my attention, I'd be 15 minutes into a walk and I would be so deep down a story. I'm playing conversations in my head with people. Oh, my gosh, I love that one. You know, and I'm going to say this and they're going to say that. Oh, why didn't I say this? (laughs) Why didn't I do that? Yeah. Yeah. So here are the times where you catch your attention. Sitting in your car. Oh, it's my favourite place. Yeah, it's like, and come back to your breath. Because, you know, we all have driven somewhere and gone, how the hell did I yep. get here? Because our attention is somewhere else. Sitting on public transport, um, in the shower. Mm. How good are the things you come oh up with in gosh, the shower? Yeah. Lying in bed. Mm-hmm. That's why we can't sleep because we're off in all these, you know, doomsday uh, stories. Like sitting at your desk 
when you're supposed to be doing emails mm. and you, you've gone somewhere. So all these places, you are just catching your attention, bringing it back to your breath. That is it. Now you go, that's not going to change my world. But if we don't establish that ability to catch our attention, there is no such thing as mindfulness. We're mm. just gone and we can never come back. So be patient, just get this bit right and, you know, have fun with it. Go, oh, my God, I'm in that crazy story again. Yeah, you've got to laugh about it. You've got to have a good laugh about it. I mean, I've got a lot of imagination going on here. What I have created for my mind would never happen. Like, you know, yeah, we, yeah. we create apocalypse in our heads. The crappier our day goes, the harder it is to do. Yeah. It's like the toddler throwing a tantrum. Like, I don't want to do that. Mm. Like, our mind is very habitual and we have created very strong habits about going to these places, all of us, not just you, all of us. And so it does not want to break this habit. No. It's enjoyable to be cranky. Absolutely. It's enjoyable to sort of think your life is heading down a very <laughs> yeah, dark path. Yeah. It feels somehow like, you've, <laughs> you know, you're, you're picking that wound and yeah. it feels like sometimes it's a comfort in a weird yep. way. So, yeah, we have to let that go. So what I say is we are all digging a hole. It's easier to get out of a one-foot hole than a six-foot hole. Mm -hmm. But what this exercise will do is you will start to have awareness around, oh, that's my hole. My hole before Will's accident was, I'm too tired, I'm too busy, not enough time, too tired, too busy, not enough time, when's this going to end? It hasn't changed a lot, but I have more awareness of it now. Mm. So mm, start. you'll be interested about what your hole mm. is. My hole is, why would I even do that? It's going to be hopeless. It'll never, ever work out anyway, so why would I even start? Yeah. That's a hole that I'm right. very familiar with, but yeah. I'm going to catch my attention. <laughs> All right. Well, in episode two, we will have the next step yeah, yeah. to that yep. particular exercise of you'll be able to build on your mindfulness yep. practice. Also, in episode two, we will be joined by Will Pukowski, winner of the Bradman Young Cricketer of the Year Award in 2019, and a young man who went from his greatest performance on the pitch a double century, no less, mm. to a crippling mental health battle. Yeah. With Will, we will talk about how we can find joy in every moment, whether we're in the midst of success or failure. So we look forward to sharing that with you next time on Best of You in the House of Wellness. Can't wait. Best of You in the House of Wellness was created and presented by me, Joe Stanley and Emma Murray. Produced by Alex Mitchell. Sound production by Matt Nikolic. For more episodes, head to houseofwellness.com.au or search Best of You in the House of Wellness. Listener.